Welcome to Uncover Untapped Markets. I'm your host, Junie Baptiste Batavien, or call me Junie. I'm the visionary and problem solver that gets people to say, I didn't think about that, and give you a new perspective into how we can design products that benefit all. Uncover Untapped Markets illuminates the unique struggles and desires of product consumers and tech users for business leaders. As the founder and CEO of Propel Innovations, a boutique of inclusive design research giving businesses a competitive edge, we've asked ourselves, why aren't we targeting the multifaceted nature of people to build products that are adaptable? And business leaders have asked us, why is it important to design inclusively? Get ready to dive into a podcast that unveils the raw and emotional stories of people who have felt frustrated with products that just don't get it as we explore how meeting unique needs becomes the secret weapon for your business's success. We'll walk you through their journeys, shedding light on the struggles they face and the unique needs they have. This podcast is your gateway to understanding why designing products with those often overlooked is not only a smart business move, but also a way to make a positive impact while unlocking a competitive edge that your business truly deserves. So I've got here Marjorie. Um, thank you so much for coming along. So yeah, so if, you wanted, yeah. if you just want to introduce yourself, like who you are and what your background is. So hi, I'm uh, Marjorie Onos. I'm a psychologist um, uh, for the past 25 years with an expertise in intellectual disabilities and, and parenting. I'm also a wheelchair user because I had a car accident 11 years ago. Um, and I am mom to a 12-year-old boy. So this is a bit uh, who I am. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I, we've met pretty much last year. Um, and your story was really impactful um, from where you were and where you are now. Um, do you want to get, can you just give us a bit of background about like your current type of accessibility and maybe just walk us through your journey of what happened and where you are now? Yeah. So 11 years ago, I was in a car accident and from um, being this single, uh, highly productive, successful career woman um, who had a baby uh, who was 16 months old, I from like it took a few seconds and then I was paraplegic, so sustained a spinal cord injury and um, and I had to basically go through a whole bunch of different um, state of understanding what it is to have a disability, even though all my career up until then was already in rehabilitation and in disability, but intellectual disability, so a different kind. Um, so it was sort of like... Um, I loved reflecting on the parallels of someone who has an intellectual or cognitive disability versus uh, me who had now like a physical disability and how I needed to incorporate elements in terms of um, like my stamina, my physical health. Um, you know, if I don't sleep well, if I don't eat well, um, it all changes. If I have to move around from like one part of my office and different offices during the day that got me really tired and being a single mom, that was like elements that just in added to to the fatigue and and the the lack of stamina 
Um, and so it was really sort of being able to shift gears, um, reflect um, so that I could use everything that my environment could provide uh, to support me and not uh, hinder any of my roles, basically, because I was more than just um, a person. I was a mom and I needed to be involved in Thomas's life as well. Yeah, I think that's like really interesting to sort of hear you talk about, you know, there are different like the different types of accessibilities that you've had to do that you've had to manage. Right. Like you've had to learn yourself from from being an able bodied person to becoming physically to becoming a person with a physical disability and then also having a child uh, with an intellectual disability and having to just so so then I guess walk us through like what is it like then with these two different types of accessibility to then um, navigate a world of technology yes well for for me as as a wheelchair user um, it was really interesting because technology is is my friend when it works of course <laughs> like um, <laughs> yes <laughs> so um you know different stories that I have uh when I go in a hotel room and um like uh just last week I was in Toronto and they had just installed this like um, door opener so the you just like put your hand in front of it it recognizes and the door opens except that it's cold in Toronto at this time of year um, I know in Australia it's not but in Toronto it is and so I was wearing glove and I could you know flash in front and the doors wouldn't open and so the guy at the front desk was like oh I can I help you yeah, it's not working. And he goes and with his hand without a glove because of the heat, it's, I guess, heat sensor, uh, he managed. But for me, it would have been like, remove the gloves, then do it. Um, and so it's those little details that sometimes we don't know if we don't test them out. Um, and I always love when I'm confronted with technology that doesn't work because we haven't thought about it to actually voice it and tell people um, so that they're um, aware of it. So anything for me, you know, any door that opens on its own is a lifesaver because uh, doors are really heavy and they're very like, I have to maneuver with my wheelchair uh, and it's really hard on my shoulders when I do that. Um, sometimes like if I'm in the mall and I want to know like, where's the store, you know, on the, the interactive map, um, so those are things that happen on a regular basis as well. There's some stores that actually have those buttons where you could like press on it um, for accessibility. And so everything lowers down in terms of like the keyboard and stuff. So it's at my level because I'm obviously lower, much lower. I'm at like the level of a seven year old child. Um, so if anything is higher up, I can't see very well and I can't focus. Um, and so that's not very helpful in terms of technology. Um, my son is, is loves anything technology. So he made me, um, buy some sort of AI. Um, and so we have, you know, AI machines everywhere in my, in my, um, 
in my house. And so that allowed me, for example, um, in the middle of the night, if I hear that Thomas is uh, waking up and maybe coughing and getting sick, then I'm able to ask my AI to call his AI and then sort of like um, reach him that way instead of me having to transfer onto my seat and then go to him. Uh, because that adds transfer and so adds, you know, strain on my shoulders, uh, potentially, if I have to do that often. Um, and so that was helpful. That was helpful also because I could turn on and off the, the lights. So sometimes, you know, uh, bedtime comes and then I'm, I do the whole transfer and realize, shit, I didn't like uh, turn off the uh, bathroom uh, light. Yeah. it's still on so do I transfer back or do I ignore it and let the light sort of on for the whole night well no now the AI I could sort of say hey and uh, whatever um turn off the light and they do that for me um we are now in the process of trying to have a camera with the doorbell so that I could see see who it is and I could talk to that person and sort of say like uh, I can't come to the door leave the package or just ignore um, and leave um, and the heat because that's also something that has happened to me where uh, in the middle of the night I realize I'm not like sleeping very well because it's so warm in my room uh, oh yeah I forgot to lower the temperature before I went to bed so now do I like get up and lower the temperature so those are like different examples of where technology would be so helpful and is so helpful for me and it works um but um, yeah, those are all sort of ideas that that we have, which are really helpful. Yeah. And, and you make so many good points, because as you were talking, what I was thinking, I was like, oh, but yeah, I never thought about that. Right. Like someone who is an able person, able bodied person, I could literally just go. I, I wouldn't think twice. You know, you do it unconsciously. You just go. Yeah, yeah perfect. I'm getting up and I'm going to go turn off the light or yeah, perfect. I'm just going to like, you know move over the bed and like turn off the heater um but you're right like what you're saying there's a whole process for you that you have to go through and that you need to manage but technology can work really well for you if it thinks about someone like you to go actually Marjorie doesn't want to have to transfer because no. then it's a whole other process that she has to go through um and and what kind of this and this is an assumption what type of mental um a um what what how does it affect like you psychologically to have to constantly go through that process of like oh I forgot the light do I do this and that and this and that to get to turning off the light yeah um I would say that it's like having a little hamster that keeps like turning and turning all the time so I'm always calculating so um you know when I wake up in the morning um the number of transfers is zero. And then I know that in a normal day, I will have to do between, let's say, 18 and 22 transfers. Uh, so going to the bathroom, going to the shower, going back to bed, changing and so forth. If I have like a meeting, you know, it's going into the car, going out of the car. So I know that a normal day uh, is around 20. If I do more than 20, um, I will feel it on my shoulders. And so that will make me probably miss something that's very important. And usually, you know, if it's work related, that 
forces me to do all of those transfers. Um, then after it's sort of like the weekend comes, uh, I have pain in my shoulders. Um, so either I need to go see a physio, I need like a masseuse, or uh, I need to like not do activities with Thomas, which I don't want to do. Um, so it's a constantly sort of calculating and making sure. So this is why like sometimes, and I've learned to be okay with certain situations. So before we had the AI, for example, in my house, um, if I forgot the light and I knew that I had already done 22 transfers that day, then my choice was clear. The light is staying on all night and I just have to figure out how to sleep with the light sort of like on all night um, because I don't want to pay the price of like having that extra transfers. Um, and also doing the extra transfers could be that if I'm trying to rush, do it like faster I can like higher risk of falling, which I don't want to do because it's just Thomas and I, and he's 12, he's not picking me up. I, I won't allow that. So then it's sort of like, like another mess. So it's constantly sort of thinking of all of those re repercussions and consequences if I do or if I don't. Um, and so technology allows me to be able to not have to stress about that because I can either, you know, command it on my phone or verbal command, which is very like uh, helpful. And I will add to that, that for me, I'm paraplegic. So I have both my arms, right? So that's all I have. My injury is at T2. Um, so I have my, my arms and my back muscle, but I know a lot of my friends from rehab uh, are actually quadriplegic. And for them, they actually need physical assistant from an aide um, to get out of bed and to get into bed. And that means that someone comes in the morning to get them up and then comes at night to put them to bed, which means in their case, they don't have a choice. Um, and when we, when Thomas sort of had me um, buy the AIs for the, for the house, I was like, oh my God, like this would be so great for Claude and Raymond and, you know, because then all of a sudden they become in control of their own environment and they don't have to wait for somebody else to do it for them. Um, or if they forgot to do it, then they don't have to live with the consequences of, you know, not having have it done before the aid left, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, and it adds so much to your barrier as well, right? Just if you if you in in that situation being quadriplegic like you're um you you need someone to actually help you and if you forget and i imagine in their case they probably have a certain process that they need to go through while the person is there yeah or they go to bed cuz or else it's like oh no <laughs> what yeah. do i do now well you have sort of like a, a checklist like what are all the different things and if you know one is forgotten it's sort of like oh, well, you know, I'm stuck with it until the morning, until the next one comes. Because uh, for those situations, you know, you, you can call someone if there's an emergency, but if it's just like a light on, you're not going to call an extra person uh, to come in at 3 a.m. because you realize that your, you know, kitchen uh, light is still on. Yeah. yeah. By the time the person comes, you might end up falling asleep anyway. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's another thing that you had mentioned were exercise watches. Um, yes. Um, I thought that was super interesting because I, I use a Garmin 
um, for my triathlon. And to be honest, as you said, as I read that, I was like, actually, I don't think I've ever seen uh, the option, the feature for wheeling. Um, yeah. Can you, no. Yeah. Can you let, sort of like walk us through that? Like tell us. Yeah. So I would say that was like maybe a couple of years after my accident. So um, I realized that I was gaining weight because it's easy. Um, you know, you're in the wheelchair. I don't move as much. And so uh, if I continued eating the way that I used to eat and not exercising, cause I didn't know what, how, you know, what kind of sports and I was already working full time and being a mom full time that it was sort of like, where do I put exercise and exercise meant extra transfers. So these are all the things that, that were in my mind. Um, but I wanted to, I realized that I was gaining weight and gaining weight has a huge impact on my ability to do those transfers because all of a sudden it's my arms having to lift more weight. Um, and so more weight means like less flexibility and means like, like weight, weight. So, and it's dead weight in my case, because it's sort of like a body that's not moving to, to, to my will. Um, so I needed to incorporate, um, a workout routine and I was a big like workout person before my accident and so I was like oh I'll just get like a Fitbit or I just get whatever my friends had uh, that way I could track and I know like how much time and I could like track also sort of my heart rate and I could you know look at um, all my vital signs if I'm like out of breath and why am I out of breath and and so forth um, and I was looking and I asked like the different companies and nobody it was steps so they count steps and when they uh, count in terms of like the heart rate when I put it on for me um, it never went high because it wasn't considering sort of like the adaptation of well I'm moving less so my heart rate is not sort of like um, I mean this still can go up but it's uh, it wasn't calculating it the same way. Um, and so I was very disappointed until I found one company. There's only one. And that's why in my house, that's the only like watch we have um, because it's the only one who has integrated programs. So you, you could switch. You are either a walker or you're a person in a wheelchair. And so as soon as you switch, you have access to like, outside wheeling, inside wheeling, uh, hand propelled, uh, biking, um, you know, inside, outside. So it was fantastic because basically now like everything, it takes care of everything, gives me like my number of calories adjust to the number of like kilometers I do. Cause I, I couldn't do that before cause it wasn't sort of counting the number of steps. But now it's like um, my son can have his watch on and he it measures the steps. And for me, it measures like the the number of of roles of. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, right. No, that's so like I literally like I remember I was reading that and I was I literally thought, yeah, you're right. Like I again, it's that moment of not thinking about it because you're not that person. Right. So, yeah. And for you mentioned there was just one company. Um, what which company was it? That's Apple, uh, and it's Apple. the only company who does it. Right. Okay. To this day. That does it to this day, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's right. Like, it's just, and again, it's always that question of like, who are the people who are designing these kinds of products? Because it just seems like it's very like uniform, right? It's very monolithic in a way. Um, because I wouldn't have thought of these different um, features, but not only that, it's not just, I think it's the heart rate part as well for me that really strikes me because like for me, for example, I'll use a uh, heart rate strap um, yep. to be able to, even though like, I don't necessarily need it, right? But you just use it anyway. <laughs> like if you're into sports and whatnot, but the very fact that you're saying that even when I was trying to put on a watch and it wasn't actually like capturing my real heart rate at the moment, that is quite impactful because then it doesn't give you the necessary data that you want. Like if you're someone who's really into your data when it comes to your sports <laughs> and you yeah. can't see that, like, yeah, it's not accurate. And then it changes your whole experience with the actual product itself and you're not getting what you deserve, what you should have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So the 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 other question that I had um so there's always like this thing that um companies are never really interested in you know bringing in inclusivity and accessibility um they see it as like a a good to have but they don't see the connection with actually that can still generate you revenue and probably like way more than you ever thought um if you had to sit down with a big boss of a big company um, and you'd have to have dinner with that person because food always brings great conversations. Um, what kind of conversation would you want to have with this person about how to make sure that someone like you is is um, thought of, especially the very multifaceted things that you've mentioned throughout this conversation? Um, and yeah, what, what's in it for them? Well, I mean, to me, it, it comes down to one thing. Um, we, we adjust or we adapt for one type of person, but all of a sudden we find out that it's actually helping a whole bunch of other people. Um, and so in truth, we're not adapting for that just one type of person. We're actually adapting for a good chunk of, of people. And just, um, I work, uh, yeah, I work with um, the Rick Hansen Foundation here in Canada as an ambassador in school systems. Um, and one of the things that um, the foundation often like talks about is that very soon in a few years, we're going to be like one in five people with some sort of a disability. Um, that's 20% of the population. And that's just in the next few years. So as people sort of age, as people, um, you know, we're more people, then we're, we're growing into you know, a, a mass, a body mass of people that do require adaptations, but it will become more and more the norm of, you know, one in five people and then one in four people at some point. Um, and so um, it's something to, to think about. And I often think of that example, which was, you know, for the longest time, those sidewalks were, were just like a sidewalk and it was a step and somebody in, urban design decided to to make those little ramps from sidewalks and it was for for people with disabilities but all of a sudden it was like the the guy who just like brings in um you know deliveries that was helpful for him as well 
And the mom with the stroller, that was helpful too. And the guy who just like broke his leg and is in a crutches, that is also helpful. Um, and so you think of the original design, which was for people with disabilities and all of a sudden it really was helpful for a whole bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I really love the fact that you said that, right? Like it can be looking at one thing could be adaptable for many. And that's the that's what we're trying to bring with Propel Innovations, just highlighting, illuminating to companies that you can, there's a whole multifaceted audience that they're not tapping into. And it's stories like yours that really sort of help remove those blind spots to actually think about, well, maybe if we thought of, um, of someone like Marjorie, then it means that, you know, we're probably as well, we're most likely, not probably, most likely tapping into as well a whole other market that we haven't thought of. Uh, and it's not just, we're not just, and, and the example that you gave, right, the fact that just one adaptation actually impacted a lot of other people. Um, that and, and the example, you know, someone can end up being on a crutch, even though it's temporary, that person still sure. needs it. So I think that very sort of perspective helps to actually expand our thinking and expand the experience that anyone can have or most people can have. So that was really awesome. Um, truly appreciate your time and thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, and yeah, thanks a lot. It's my pleasure. This episode of Uncover Untapped Market featured the inspiring and thought-provoking Marjorie Onos. I'm your host, Junie. Connect with Propel Innovations on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Propel underscore UX and read my blog posts on Medium at Junie BP. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other business leaders. Want to be a guest on our show? Reach us at hello at propelinnovations.co. Leave us a review so we can unveil more stories like in this episode. Hit that subscribe button to stay tuned and keep uncovering untapped markets.